Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, this is the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shan, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. Let's go! Hey, happy October. All month long, it's Trick or Treat with the Boo Crew. Of course, it's the busiest month of the year for horror fans and haunters, and we're trying to pack your plastic pumpkin bucket with as much as possible over the next few weeks, okay? As such, we are breaking the usual bi-weekly release schedule and ringing your doorbell with surprise episodes all October. That said, welcome to our Tim Time Bombless episode number 25. You couldn't be here for this one, unfortunately. We'll catch up with him next time. Enough yapping. Let's do it. There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. Hello, Sydney. It's Spencer from Ice Nine Kills, and you are being hunted by the Boo Crew. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy studio is an absurdly gifted lyricist, singer, songwriter, and businessman. He fronts Ice Nine Kills, which has evolved into not only a band, but a cultural movement. Our guest has creased the folds of what they do into a completely immersive experience, community, and artistic vision, bordered by things like his own clothing company, Cleaver, a horror and lifestyle brand out of Salem, Mass. An impressive back catalog of some of the most passionate, melodic, and aggressive metalcore ever recorded, culminating in their pioneering fourth album, 2015's Every Trick in the Book, inspired by classic novels like Carrie, The Exorcist, Dracula, and Animal Farm. The band is fresh off Warp Tour 2018, headlining theaters with bands like Motionless and White and Every Time I Die, and is preparing for the release of their fifth full-length album, The Silver Scream, available October 5th from Fearless Records. 13 new songs, and something that, to our knowledge, has never been done before, each one inspired by a different horror movie, The Muse, from Mr. Spencer Charnas, who is here right now with us tonight. Thank you very much, man, for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for that intro. It was very flattering. I'm just very excited to be talking with such passionate horror fans. That's awesome. I can tell by the setup of the studio that you guys live and breathe this stuff. So (laughs) it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Where did your love affair with horror start? It started very, very young. I would go to the grocery store with my mother, probably around age six or seven. This particular grocery store had a video store within it. So when she was shopping, I would kill time by checking out the VHS store. And for whatever reason, I was drawn to the horror aisle and I would just sort of sit there in awe of the covers of these movies like Halloween and Friday the 13th and Silent Night, Deadly Night and Sleepaway Camp. There was something about the cover art that just drew me in and I became enamored with the genre and my parents were cool enough to let me watch the films. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they assumed that, oh, he'll grow out of it and I guess here I am 25 years later (laughs) talking about horror on a podcast (laughs) with a bunch of people who love the genre as much as I do. So I guess I didn't really grow out of it. That's where it sort of all began. You did have 
a certain experience when you were about 12 in the theater. I was already a huge horror fan. I had been renting videos at Blockbuster with my cousins and my mom and dad would rent me the videos and already loved the genre. But I had never seen one of these movies actually in the theater. I remember I was going to see Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers, but it just it didn't work out for some reason. I, I didn't get to go. So I had heard about this movie Scream that had come out, and this is 96, and I remember I was on vacation in Florida, and the beach was just a buzz about this film. Someone had said <laughs> that they had heard that it was the scariest film since Halloween. So right then, I knew I needed to see this movie. So I went with my mom and my dad and my cousin Brandon within... I want to say the first three or four minutes hearing someone in a movie in the theater, the killer referencing Michael Myers and referencing Jason Voorhees. I knew right then that it was going to be my favorite movie of all time. I was like turning to my cousin. I was like, they're talking about Halloween. <laughs> talking about Friday the 13th. And not only was I in love with, with that, it was really scary. And I was like, you know, under the seat. That movie just reinforced my love of the genre. And I think, you know, still holds up as one of the most brilliant slasher movies of all time because, you know, how self-referential it was. That was a really important experience in my love of the genre. As far as I know, one of the only horror movies that has such a drastic sleight of hand trick at the very beginning of the movie oh, yeah. where they marketed that movie as starring Drew Barrymore. I know. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. Right. Well, she's the big head on the poster. Right, Even, exactly. You know, the trailer was all about her. Like, that was such a, not since Psycho, I think, does that ever been done. Right. And I think from what I understand watching documentaries and reading interviews, that was by chance in essence because when Drew was cast in the role, she was originally going to be Sidney Prescott. Yeah. She was going to oh. be Nev Campbell's character. And it was one of the main reasons why Wes decided that he wanted to do the movie and get back in a horror. You know, I get to work with Drew Barrymore and then something happened with scheduling with Drew and she said, listen, I can't do this character, but I really love this movie. I really want to be in it. Let me play the first girl. The wheels started to turn in Wes's eyes and his mind and he thought oh this would be kind of a cool homage to Psycho and you know if you kill Drew in the first few minutes all bets are off for the rest of the film I heard that George Romero and Sam Raimi were both offered the gig too yeah. mm -hmm. was Drew Barrymore that had convinced Wes to actually take on the project yeah which, which is, is really great cool. yeah because I read too it probably the same sort of documentaries and stuff that people didn't get the script they thought it was a comedy. They thought it was too self-referential. They didn't get it as a horror movie. They kept passing on the different directors until, you know. The right one. <laughs> the right one came. It's amazing how, and two, because it came, like, it was only like, what, 12 years after the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. right? Which in hindsight is no time at all, because it's yeah. been over 20 years since it came out, and it still holds up so well. But to think how much transpired in that 12 years just within the horror genre. It was pretty much from a commercial standpoint, it was dead. No one wanted to touch the genre. And I think studios were a bit weary of getting involved in something that was a slasher film. Whatever happened over there at Dimension, they got it. I heard there was a bidding war between Dimension and Oliver Stone's company. And at the end of the day, I think that the writer, Kevin Williamson, really liked Bob Weinstein and that he was involved with, they owned the Halloween franchise right, right, at the right. time, and I think they bonded over their love of Halloween. The genius is the opening scene of the movie breaks all the rules. Well, what the hell's going to happen next? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Well, you know, it's also genius that I always forget about, too, is that Nev Campbell is the second she's attacked right away. It's not like, you know, Laurie Strode where it's lingering till the end of the movie. She right. gets attacked and almost killed immediately. <laughs> and you think it could happen because it just did. Right. All bets so, are So, yeah, it's so, it's so tight and clever. By the way, 
If Oliver Stone made this movie, like, what movie would that be? I'd like to see it. <laughs> the conspiracy theory yeah. of the slasher. That'd be funny. Do you own any Scream collectibles? The most interesting thing I own, actually, there's two now, and actually, one I actually got today. Ooh. But I always wanted to meet Wes Craven. Mm-hmm. Now, that was one of, a dream of mine, and I always wanted him to sign my ghost face mask. So I thought, oh, man, I'll never get an opportunity. A few years back, I had been following him on Instagram, and I was in Salem, Massachusetts at the time, and I saw that he was doing a book signing in Boston at the Heinz Convention Center. It said that it started at 8 and I looked at my watch and it was like 8.50. I was like, oh man, I'll never make it. It's like 30 minute drive and I'm thinking, should I go? And I may never get the chance again. So I just got in my car. I grabbed the ghost face mask, probably did 80 to 90 miles an hour. (laughs) But I was seeing like moves with traffic, like 10 moves ahead. I was just, I was in the zone. So I got to the convention center. It was like comic timing, like the guy sweeping the floor, like the whole event is over. And I was standing there with my ghost face mask, like a sad little kid. I said, you know, is Wes still here? And they said, nah, kid, sorry, everyone's gone. So I'm walking away and I hear he gets radio to him. He was just radioing. He's like, just a minute. Wes is still here. I'll bring it to him right now. Oh, that's wow. awesome. Wow. So they take me down this like back stairway, you know, like the presidential route that you'd take if you were trying to escape assassination. <laughs> there was Wes. He was signing like a few like really hardcore Nightmare on Elm Street fans who had brought like 50 posters from the sign. <laughs> so I met Wes. I told him the whole story. He was laughing. He thought it was really funny. And he signed my ghost face mask. Oh, that's awesome. That's such a good yeah. story. It was really cool. He was really nice. And then the second screen prop I received actually today from my friend Nate. And he's running with Anthony Massey. This scream comes home. At the end of October, they've secured the house, Stu's house from the end of the film. And they're holding this big private party there. And oh, wow. we're going to actually perform in the garage where Rose McGowan was killed. And so, oh my gosh, anyway, that's amazing. Yeah, that's so cool. It's pretty awesome. So Anthony had sent me the bedpan that David Arquette gets hit with in Scream 4. Oh, wow. Yes. Awesome. So those are the two things I own from Scream. and uh, That's amazing. Cool. Was that unexpected or did you know it was coming up? Was it a transaction or did you? He was like, you know, for everything you've done for the campaign, because we really got involved with, yeah. with marketing it with the band and, and Cleaver, they were both just so grateful and they're just such nice guys and they wanted to give me this little gift. So thank you guys. Thank you, Anthony and Nate. <laughs> that is That's so cool. awesome, man. Have you actually gone and visited other locations where they'd film different parts of Scream on your own? Years ago the band we tried to find Casey Becker's house the house from the opening scene but yeah. it's, it's, it's so far removed and you need to I don't know you need some sort of gate access right. keys but we did go to the high school which is the uh, Santa Rosa Community Center. We just walked in. It was open, and we actually we we recreated a couple of the scenes. <laughs> I was playing uh, Billy Loomis, and one of the other guys was Nev Campbell. So, so <laughs> you got to get you got to get Roger Jackson to do your voicemail message. Now. Oh my god, yes, he's going to be there, I guess. Is the, he really? Oh my oh, god! Yeah. Not, I guess it's too late to get him on the album, huh? <laughs> yeah, that would be, be fantastic. The next one. That would be great. Yeah. And David Arquette apparently will. Be oh, that's so oh, cool. great. Do you oh have a favorite God. scene in that movie that just stands out? Wow, it's tough. Obviously, the first scene is so iconic. There's just so many creative scenes in that movie. You know, Henry Winkler is just 
so funny and the way he gets stabbed with the scissors and it's right before <laughs> right. Wes Craven the director makes his own cameo as Freddy mm-hmm. Krueger yeah. that's right the janitor yeah. so Linda Blair makes a cameo in that yeah. too it's a real love letter to horror in general I can see how that would affect you being the first horror film that you experienced on the big screen it actually got me thinking what was the first horror movie in the theater that I saw it was Beetlejuice oh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a great one the first one you saw Leo Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 Jesus Christ wow. Wow. that's it <laughs> that's our core. I have yeah. to tell Bill Mosley that story. Yeah, exactly. Go. Dennis yeah. Hopper too in that one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Wow. And also Marco Beltrami, the composer, really established a name for himself with that movie. He ended up kind of reshaping the sound of horror movies from that point on into the 2000s, becoming buddies with Guillermo del Toro, doing Blade Two and Mimic and Hellboy. Went on to do Wolverine and Logan, but he really wow. redefined how horror sounded with that score. Absolutely, is yeah. one of my favorite composers, and uh, just the entire score of that whole series is brilliant. Ice Nine Kills has been a band since about 2002, and it's always been a band that, unlike many others out there, you guys have a constant and very consistent evolution. A fan can not only hear the shift in the work, but you can see it and feel it in the live show, right down to the merch. The band dresses up as classic slasher icons right now. The quality of the lyrics and the songs, it's out of control, man. You guys put so much work into it, and I think it's part of what makes the Ice Nine Kills fans so much more involved in the experience of being a fan of the band, because just when they think it's kind of reached as far as it can go, you guys turn around and flip it on its head almost every time. Can you explain where the drive to do that comes from? I think it definitely comes from the fact that I'm a fan myself. You know, I love when either bands or films sort of take that extra step and really try to get something that people can latch on to. You know, we're trying to, as you said, we're trying to provide not only interesting music, but a real experience around that and trying to build like a mythology around, especially this album. I think back to what I wanted to receive as a fan. And I always liked the bands that sort of did that and sort of created a world of their own. Everything we do, I always, you know, ask myself, is this something that I would love to see? That's where that sort of perspective comes from. You're also taking your voice to New Limits it's kind of unheard of in the genre, using it as more of a cinematic and storytelling tool. What has that work been like on your voice? It's been really interesting, fun, and challenging at the same time. <laughs> because, you know, especially with an album like this, I wanted to give each character its own distinct voice. And, you know, you are dealing with characters like Freddy Krueger, who do talk openly in movies, but you're also dealing with Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees, who you don't utter a word in the these films. So trying to figure out, hmm, how would Michael Myers scream this line? You know what I mean? <laughs> it was really interesting and uh, really fun to uh, experiment with, especially the song It Is The End, which is about it and Pennywise. That's awesome. Yeah, trying to balance that lovable, jovial clown voice and then on a dime drop into a demonic evil clown that you know <laughs> so it was really fun and also to get some other character voices on the album for instance my friend Hobie who actually used to be in the band his mother is a great actress we got her, her name is Janet to be Mrs. Voorhees voice on the album yes. and so that was really fun to experiment with in our song thank god it's Friday my friend Andrew did uh, a voice as the 
police officer calling in, you know, the 187 uh, yeah. <laughs> in Halloween. It was really fun to experiment. I also brought in other musical influences. My buddy Randy here from the band Finch, he plays on the album. The horn players Buddy and JR from Less Than Jake play on the It Is The End track. Oh, yeah. We got my friend Will from Phoenix DX, my friend Tony from Mest. So it's just like a, a really big, cool collaboration. This girl, Chelsea Talmadge, who's on the show Stranger Things, sings on the album. And so it was just like a really cool way of getting my friends and people that have influenced me as part of the record. You've touched on a horror influence in the past with songs like 2011's People Under the Stairs. How did your horror influence come out in the band's earlier work? And what made you decide to go even deeper with it on this project? The influence had always like sort of permeated through some sort of platform of the band, whether it be aesthetically through our merchandise, song titles or certain song lyrics that were an homage to certain films, music videos. But this one, this album, I knew it was time to take it full speed to horror because we had always touched on it in the past and both from my own perspective I thought it was time and I had heard just rumblings among the fans saying oh man this is so cool that you touched on you know the book the Exorcist. I want to hear what you guys would do to Friday the 13th for Halloween. <laughs> so it kind of came from both angles that this is what I want to do and this is what the fans want. And I think that the perfect mix for figuring out what you're going to do next in a band is somewhere in between that, you know, because you got to be passionate about it. And if you love what you do, you know, they say you never work a day in your life. So this is just my way of giving what, what I knew the Ice Nine Kills fans wanted and also satisfying what I wanted to do with the band. Some of the moments in the three songs that the public has been able to hear so far, thank God it's Friday, for instance, the music is cinematic in itself. It actually gives you chills when Miss Voorhees is talking over that heavy music band. Like, did you kind of have that radar on and that filter? Like, I I want the hair on my arms to fucking stand up straight. (laughs) I want it to sound like a movie. Yes. And that was was the idea from the inception of the album. You know, I wanted to not only have singing and screaming on the album, I wanted to have have dialogue that sounded like it was coming from the films. Not the exact dialogue, obviously, but an homage to it. That was one of the, the initial ideas that got me excited. Think, oh man, we could we could have you know Mrs. Voorhees talking, or we could have you know a police officer calling in to the Haddonfield PD. And, <laughs> and I can't. And you guys have only heard a few of the songs. I can't right. wait till you hear the rest. Oh and, man, I, I can't. can't yeah. in, and inside the album, the booklet, I've done like a script. So not only does it have the lyrics, but it has camera direction. You know, they'll say interior teenage girl's bedroom. And uh, so we had a lot of fun with that. Obviously, so much care has gone into the visuals for this stuff. Music videos are killer. They're like like self-contained mini movies. Thank you very much. Mind blowing, man. Now, did anyone at some point from the label or whoever just go, dude, you're fucking crazy. Like, oh, this is what you want to do? Really? <laughs> Fearless Records, very nice people, but they also say to me, we're pretty sure you're, you're a psychopath. <laughs> Watching those videos, the girls from Fearless were like, are you actually a, a serial killer? And I was like, if you guys think that, then I must be doing my job. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, the way they're all woven together is amazing. Did you come up with the whole story arc that sticks them all together too and so, the concept? How does that work? So, Daniel Horahan, who uh, has worked on many of our music videos stemming from the last album every trick in the book he's just he's great at dialogue and we sit down together and i'll sort of map out the general idea of the story and he comes in and adds beautiful dialogue and we sort of 
tag team it and he's he's been great to work with his entire crew little sky films just very talented people and just massive crews and it's another cool experience for me because i felt like i was on the set of friday 13th or on the set of (laughs) halloween you know we filmed the friday the 13th video at an abandoned summer camp in new england so it was like a little little dream of mine to be like placing myself back in these films and weaving um this narrative throughout the the videos and and the stories. How fun is it to get a chance to bend all this stuff that you're passionate about into opportunities like taking on the role of Freddy Krueger in in one of your own music videos or becoming a correspondent for Dread Central and being able to talk to horror icons and and all this stuff that you've created by being the architect of this whole experience. It's amazing, (laughs) man. It's definitely like a full circle experience and it's cool to see people like you guys and Dread Central and these horror icons that I've been fortunate enough to interview recently you know really respecting the band and what we're doing and uh, it's nice to get recognition from real fans of the genre and people involved in these films and productions right well because I think also in the concept you explain the concept of what you're doing with this album for instance it's actually enriched the experience of watching the movie giving an additive and giving us this incredible musical way of experiencing these stories that we know and love so much and you do it so well you go through the comments these videos have already amassed to get about a million views between the first three, people are freaking out over it. I love to see the positive feedback and people really getting what we're what we're doing. And you know, once in a while, I see a comment and they'll be like, "Well, you know, what's this four minutes before the song? Like, I just give me the song." And those people aren't the people that get it. You know, we're trying to do right. something more. We're trying to give people a real experience and characters to latch onto. And my hope is that these characters will be, you know, iconic in our world, and that people will want a Doctor Ian Black mask. Yeah. Or a Spencer mask or something from these stories. And that's the, the whole idea behind it. Right. And yeah, you're building and continuing to build this passionate audience because that passion that you're putting into it and putting the intros and the videos and making that narrative, passion begets passion. You're getting that back. You can see in the comments and the fans are just freaking out. It's, it's really something else. I haven't seen anything like it before. So all the compliments out to you guys. Thank it's, you so much. really amazing. I had heard that you had actually recorded some vocals at some locations where horror films were filmed. Is that correct? Yes. So, How did that happen? <laughs> so that was just a, another one of my crazy ideas. When we were near wrapping up the recording of the vocals, I thought I'm living in, in West Hollywood. I'm not too far from Pasadena, you know, where the Michael Myers house is, or right. I'm not too far from 1420. Elm Street. So I thought it would be really cool to get some vocals recorded at those properties. Now, they wouldn't let me inside to obviously record it, but I brought a little setup and I I tracked some some vocals on the property without without them uh, knowing. (laughs) No one came over to me. I had to be kind of uh, sneaky about it. Uh, (laughs) But whatever it was, I I wanted to get some sort of audio of me and from the, you know, the, the sound around the house onto the recordings. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really cool. And I actually had planned to do a lot more. Like I wanted to try to find some of the, the filming locations from Friday the 13th part three. Cause I know that was the first one where they filmed 
talented, like not in New Jersey yeah. or Connecticut, but I just kind of ran out of time with that. Did you hear about that? This, they were auctioning off experiences where you could actually go to the Boy Scout camp where the original Friday the 18th oh, really? was filmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could go for like a weekend or something and actually, I think sleep there too. Yes. In the original cabins and everything. Yeah. Which is crazy. Think, yeah, <laughs> it's coming up. If it's not happening now, it's coming up. People have already like talked about buying tickets and stuff. Right. I didn't wait for that. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we, we snuck into that camp a oh, few years oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, ago. Are you yeah. serious? Oh, nice. yeah. I think the statute of limitations is up on that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Hopefully the Blairstown uh, Police Department doesn't come find uh, looking for did, me. Did you take an early morning canoe ride? I tried, <laughs> but uh, I learned from the, from the films not to do that. Oh my a good God. lesson. Is it totally deserted or what's the setup Basically, up there? Basically, it's a fully functioning Boy Scout camp and it was a Boy Scout camp back when they filmed it in 79. It's called Camp Nobe Bosco. For years, they were, you know, this whole thing with them opening the camp and embracing the fans of the series is very new. Like in the last few years, they were always sort of, I think, almost embarrassed about it or didn't want to didn't want to talk too much about it, which I get, I, I guess I understand if their business is trying to get families to let their kids come. Yeah, we're famous for a bunch of kids yeah. who are cut up in the woods over here. Yeah, send your kids to us. You should put that in the brochure. Yeah. Well, they probably the do now. Count, the body count. So we had heard, you know, I had researched online and it said, don't go there. They'll call the cops on you. They don't like fans of the series coming by. And so I just wanted to try it. So we went to the camp and all around on every, almost every other tree, it's like, this is private property. You will be prosecuted, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I, I had even thought of calling up and, and pretending to be like someone affiliated with the Boy Scouts and can I get a tour? You know, I'd love to send my son here. I'm from... Troop 666. <laughs> so basically, we, we I called the camp and the person answered and, you know, to see if anyone was at the camp, waited till they left and hopped that old fence right over to Camp Crystal Lake. The cabins around the lake look exactly as they did in the film. Wow. The uh, lifeguard chair is still there and took a bunch of really cool pictures. So it was a very memorable day and I've posted the pictures online before. That is so cool. Yeah. We so should you, do a Boo Crew field trip. Oh my go. God, yeah. I so, go to Blairstown. What was the city where you grew up? So I grew up in Swampscott, Massachusetts, which is very close to Marblehead and Salem. Then I moved to Salem, I want to say about 10 years ago. and wow. spent some time in Salem and my mom still lives there. So whenever I go back, that's where I stay. I used to live in Boston for a while. Austin, you're, I grew up there. You grew up there. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, great. I love yeah. it. What is the experience like living in Salem? Salem is is really cool, obviously for the uh, historical value with you know concerning the the witch trials, and there are definitely really cool places to visit. You know they have a whole witch museum and tells the story of what happened. They have the graves there. They have uh, tours, you know, taking you through the different spots that are of notoriety there, and it really comes alive in October. Oh, I can't even oh, imagine. Yeah. I mean, you you see tourism there all year round, but in October. It's a whole different ball game. The streets are usually flooded as it gets closer and closer to Halloween. And there's just a real sense of excitement and that sort of Halloween fever around that area. And people dress up constantly. And it's not just on Halloween. It's the weekends leading up to Halloween. My clothing line, which is based in, in Salem, uh, last Halloween in October, we had a tent and we were set up and we were selling this merchandise and stuff and just watching all these people walk by in these really interesting costumes. But it's really respectful. 
you know, they're not, you know, making fun of the witch trials. People are really interested in it. And it's just a, a great place to go, especially in October. It's really beautiful. You know, the foliage. Oh obviously my God. Is like, yeah. It's yeah. Super perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. what fall, what you picture yeah. when you hear fall, right? Right. It's, and it's I that. hear now it's like, it's just so jammed because it didn't used to be like that. Like, I mean, Halloween was always a thing. Yeah. Right. But like 20 years ago or whatever, it wasn't as crazy as it's become. It's really become a thing. And now I hear it's just wall to wall people wow. like oh, all yeah. October long. All October long, it's wall to wall. And I think that the horror community has really embraced that area, especially now, you know, you yeah. get Kane Hodder showing up and doing signings and oh, Tony nice. Moran, Michael Myers. And uh, there's a lot of haunted attractions there. It's just a really good place for anyone, especially horror fans. It's like, you know, it's yeah. like Disneyland. Yeah. Rachel and I were there a couple of years ago, Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a guy dressed as Krampus <laughs> just oh, yeah. sitting on the street. <laughs> just being there. America. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Resident of Salem. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they embrace it all year round. Right. Yeah, it's really fun to My to favorite fun fact about Swampscott, by the way. Do you know the Brady Bunch connection? No. So the Mrs. Brady, the character of Mrs. Carol Brady is from Swampscott, Massachusetts. That is so And weird. we learned that in the episode where Cindy is trying to lose her lisp. Really? <laughs> and she's trying to lose her list by saying Swampscott, Massachusetts. That is so funny. I bet that, that's got to be on like the Wikipedia page of Swampscott or something, right? I hope so. I got to look it up. <laughs> Someone yeah. listening should well, put it on the yeah, Wikipedia you can add page. It yeah, yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> that's amazing. That is really funny. The only other thing I know is that um, David Lee Roth, I guess, went to Swampscott High School for really? a time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. He didn't have a lisp, though. That no. was yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe that was Sammy Hagar. <laughs> <laughs> on the Swampscott gymnastics team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about filming locations at Hocus Pocus, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Probably looking for it. And Lords yeah. of Salem now. That's right, Robert. For sure, yeah. yeah. So since you moved out here, was one of the first things you've done, like go around town, try and find all the uh, different filming locations of some of your favorite movies? I mean, there's a million here, right? I had been to most of them already because I'm a psychopath. Right. <laughs> but uh, I definitely revisited them. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, Orange Grove Ave with the Doyle House going to see that again. Right. It's cool. One of the coolest things I remember when I first saw those houses across the street from each other. So it's right off the strip. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just hey, so, crazy. Yeah, you think of, you know, you think of Haddonfield and you never imagine that it's that close to, you know, the sunset strip. <laughs> it's funny, yeah, it really that is. street. I always say LA is America's back lot. <laughs> it really could film any America can be represented. And the fact that this, right, yeah, right off the sunset strip is this small Midwestern street. That could be anywhere. Any town USA. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So in all of your travels, have you ever experienced anything paranormal? Do you believe paranormal. in that? Or? I don't think we've experienced anything paranormal, but I do definitely do believe in it. I believe that it exists. Usually I'm a, I'm a slasher guy, but I did think that the first paranormal activity was, was quite scary. Yeah, it scared yeah. the shit out of me. It was <laughs> definitely scary. Yeah. So I definitely believe in it. I haven't seen it firsthand really, but... I'm looking for it. I was going to ask you the intro of Communion of the Cursed. There's a clip. It sounds like real audio. Was that from an actual exorcism? That is from an actual exorcism. If you've ever seen The Exorcism of Emily Rose, yes. that was based on a true story oh, about a real exorcism. Annalise Michelle. That's right. That's right. So that audio was actually the audio from that exorcism oh, wow. that Emily Rose is based on. And it's it's so scary because she didn't speak 
Latin. I think. I mean, they, they, right. they've documented that girl didn't speak those different languages she was talking in, and you know, it really raises the, the hair on the back of your neck. And I, I remember showing it to my mom. She, said, I can't listen to this. Yeah, my mom wouldn't listen to it. <laughs> yeah, there's a documentary on that, and it's really creepy, man. Because it it's just mostly audio, the audio tapes, right, from her right. from her illness or exorcism and all that. And she's a German girl, but speaks and I think at some point she's even singing in Latin and you know these uh, different languages. You're like, what the hell is going on with this girl? Man? <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. Is that the documentary that like we can't watch? It says not to watch. <laughs> oh, that's uh, what is it? <laughs> no, Demon, Demon House. Demon House. House. Have, Have you, you seen Demon House? You heard about this Demon no, House thing? Demon House. Jesus, talk about Hell Demon no. House because I, I I won't even watch it because I believe in that shit like hundred yeah. percent. Exorcist scares the shit out of me. Anything because they have it on record. They have a department in the Vatican that is set up to deal with stuff like this. Just that fact is enough to make me okay. It's fucking real, <laughs> or at least I can't say that it isn't real, right? But anyway, tell them about Demon House Demon. and why I won't watch it. So there's a house. There's a house in Gary, Indiana. That is super possessed. And this ghost hunter guy bought it and then did a documentary about going to document the ghosts and weird things that happen in the house. So at one point, one of his cameramen gets possessed and it's, it's really fucking creepy. And there's a lot of stuff on camera. I got to see this. It's really creepy. Is it on uh, It was on Netflix. Netflix. It's on Netflix. Oh, it's on Netflix, yeah. De- what, and it's called what? Demon House. Demon House. Yeah. yeah. Who's I guess the... I know what I'm watching tonight. Zach Baggins. Yeah. Is Zach Baggins. Baggins. Right. Yes. yes. Yeah. Who also has a ghost hunting show. Right. Travel, it's Travel Channel, isn't it, or something? Yeah, it's like a legit ghost hunting yeah. show that he does. Yeah. yeah. So it is Demon House. And, and then, then, but I'm, there's a warning at the beginning of the, the movie. Yeah, it's, it's you know, they, they go into like, hey, this whole film, this whole documentary was cursed. People quit and people things happen to them and anyone die on set? Ah, uh, no, 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 but some not, movies. Not <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there's a crazy scene in the movie where do you know Barry Dr. Barry Tough? No. He's the guy who investigated the original entity house mm. here in Culver City, California, by the way. Another house you gotta go over check out check this out. Yeah, yeah. So he shows up to investigate this, you know, this case. Something happened to him, man. He ended up in the hospital with like multiple organ failure. Yeah. On camera. Wow. On yeah. camera. Yeah, it's part it's of the like, story. It's part of the, the story. That's really scary. So, oh, yeah. No. But what's crazy oh. is Sorry, this is a little venting, but in the fucking movie, <laughs> they, there's a girl who comes to visit the house because I think they used to live there or something. His family stops by and a girl gets possessed and you see her get like her whole demeanor changes and she becomes like something else. They take her to church and she gets exercised in church. That's in the beginning. <laughs> And then no one else goes to that church after they get possessed. The cameraman gets possessed, and they're not like, shit, we should get him to that church. (laughs) We just saw, that's how you get rid of it. And they didn't. They took him to the hotel and filmed him being an asshole. (laughs) Maybe they didn't like him. (laughs) He was asking for it. Yeah. Fuck that guy. But yeah, and and stuff happened permanently to Zach Baggins as well. And he ended up opening a haunted museum just outside of Vegas. And part of the house is actually preserved there. You have to sign a waiver to even look at this shit. It's intense. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Oh, what about that guy that fucked with the box or something and now oh yeah did you okay yeah. same museum Zach Baggins takes Post Malone the rapper yeah to yeah. check out the Dybbuk the Dybbuk box oh right which is from this the movie the, the, the Possession yeah it's not a prop for the movie the movie The Possession is based on this box right. that had all these negative effects on anyone who's come across it and he opened the box and Post Malone was involved in touching the box or something like that during the museum. He's never taken it out of the glass. And anyway, the two were messing with it. 
And then all this crazy shit started happening to Post Malone. That is insane. And they wow. say it's almost like they say this final destination thing kind of attached itself to Post Malone. There's a home invasion or home robbery, plane oh, crash, right. all auto that, wrecks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that, that is was connected to that ever yeah. since oh he God. messed with the the box at the museum. That's crazy. All wow. that stuff, you know. I I'm not convinced it's that it ain't real, <laughs> <laughs> or convinced enough that I wouldn't want to mess with the box. Yeah, yeah, right. Because even if something did by chance happen, I would blame it on the fucking box. I'd be right. like. Oh, I'm cursed. That's it. Everything's screwed. But just go to the church in Gary, Indiana. There you go. Get it all taken care of. Wow. Going back to filming locations and cool places. What are some of the coolest filming locations you've been to? Or one of the ones you've, you've been most excited to visit? But definitely Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah. I mean, that was that's incredible. Cool. That's a good one. And just the, the whole story behind having to sneak in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of, yeah, yeah, kind of awesome. a rush. It's pretty amazing. Because like, you know, not only am I worried about Jason, I'm always also worried about getting arrested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cop's name was Jason. Yeah. <laughs> that would be very scary. Uh, you know, the first time in uh, any of those Halloween locations was really cool. Another one that I went to recently, you know, you asked me about once I moved here, did I go to any filming locations? I found the houses from Idle Hands. Oh! Yeah. Nice. Which is one of my favorite horror comedies. <laughs> yeah, and I remember totally. seeing that movie when it came out and being obsessed with it and being so bummed that, you know, it came out a week after Columbine. So it really got buried and no one really wanted to see a movie about kids, teenagers in high school killing each other. So it really didn't get a, a fair shake. But I always loved that movie and it was cool to see oh. like Anton's house. Funny you mention that. Yeah, that, we were just here. We have the, the idle hand. The hand. No way. Yeah, and yeah. a shadow box. We'll bring it down after the yeah. show. Like the demonic show. one? Yeah. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. gotta see that. That's, a, that's seriously, that's one, probably one of my favorites as well. It's 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 not really talked about that much, but it is. it blends the two things I love, which are comedy and horror. Right, hundred percent. It's almost it's got that Evil Dead two kind of wackiness yeah. to it. And Devin Sawa from Final Destination, who is amazing too. Yeah, yeah. He's, he was incredible in that. His his physical, yes. you know, comedy was great. And there was also like a punk rock vibe about the movie. You know, I mean, Offspring's in it. Right. Tom from Blink makes a cameo in it. Yeah. I even think Rancid is in. They have a Rancid song in as well. I believe they yeah. do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always loved that movie, and I thought it was really cool. I remember Unwritten Law song is in it. Just love the movie. And Jess Galba never. Look better. <laughs> She's wearing. When is she wearing like a dress as an angel? Right. Yeah. Is that her weenies. Halloween costume. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> what did you think of Blair Witch Project? I saw that in the theater and I was terrified. I really appreciated and respected the marketing behind that movie. Oh, yeah. There was nothing else like it, right? It was really genius. Pioneered it, and yeah. how they uh, they aired. I think it was even on maybe it was on the Discovery Channel on the History Channel. I don't know how they pulled that off, but they aired a documentary. I think the week before the movie oh, came out. Right, I forgot about that. The Curse of the Blair Witch? Yeah, yeah, something like that that basically presented the movie as, this is going to be a real film, and this <laughs> right. is the footage. So that's how that, that viral idea that, is this actually real, sort of took on this folklore, and, and the movie cost very little to make and made you know hundreds of millions of dollars and I think actually it dethroned Halloween as the most successful independent film of all time or something like that wow and then just gave birth to a whole new genre of horror movies right also what was amazing with that how they could achieve such a high scare with really not showing anything I mean the scene of them standing in the corner of the room I remember watching it in a dark room by myself sitting there watching it and the person standing in the room, Josh, Josh, you know, and the the person just standing in the corner. I was frozen when the the tape stopped, when it went to black. 
frozen. I was so scared. And I was just like, this is one of the best horror films I've seen. Like, it really scared the shit out of me. And there wasn't really a lot going on, right? It was all in your head. Yeah. yeah so yeah. well done. It was great. And paranormal activity, same kind of thing, too, right? Mm-hmm. Someone just yeah. standing over the bed was enough to just be fucking genius, <laughs> yeah. right? That's so good. So I do remember. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think it was Rachel. Oh, Rachel. I just thought that was so creepy. Yeah. 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 I'm still on staying over your bed. I worry about that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I do remember, uh, I think it was Chris Rock, though, made a funny joke about the Blair Witch Project. I think it was during the, the MTV Movie Awards, and he was something. Everyone's saying it's so great, you know, it only cost $40,000. Where did all the money go? <laughs> Someone's walked around with $39,000. Uh, that was funny. Now, you just did an event right near the Michael Myers house yes. in Pasadena. At the so, Sugarman Gallery. Yeah, the show, which is a great place. We actually got some art from that place. Me it's too, awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a really cool Donald Pleasance uh, shot. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. And oh. they have the Hocus Pocus um, book. Spell book. book Spell there. Book. Yeah, yeah oh, wow. one of the ones from the actual movie. So at this event you held, you gave an advance listen to the album for a limited number of fans. You showed the silver screen videos back to back and screened Halloween. Talk about how you discovered this really unique space. We were taking a trip to Pasadena to check out the Michael Myers house for like the 500th time. (laughs) And I noticed that there was a gallery behind the Michael Myers house, literally pretty much attached to it. And we wandered in and noticed that they were selling all this really cool behind the scenes shots from the original shoot, from the original shoot of Halloween in 1978. So I bought this really cool picture of Donald Pleasance and this was probably in May it was right before we left uh, or June right before we left for a warp tour and I thought you know wouldn't it be so cool if we did some sort of a album listening party here and I was speaking with the the woman who owns the Sugarman Gallery and they were just really receptive to it they thought it would be a great idea they checked out the band and, and saw how immersed in the horror world we were that's so yeah, cool, that's cool. It's really cool. I gotta give you a homework assignment though <laughs> You gotta figure okay. out. You gotta, you gotta find out why they moved the house. Right. It's, it's like nobody knows the story. Like, really? So, yeah, yeah. Somebody moved the house from literally across the street from the Sugarman Gallery, maybe half a block down or so. They moved the house to that corner. This is what I heard. I heard that they were going to demolish the house, and someone, some fan of the of the franchise, found out about it. And the guy, I don't know if this is true or not, but the guy in the company that was demolishing it said, "You can buy it for one dollar." Oh, I bought it for $1 and he was responsible for taking the house and finding another location for it. So I don't have to do my homework, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a a made up story, but I don't, I don't know. Because the original location is, I mean, it sounds right because it was across the street, right? Where that big condo complex is now. Yeah, it was somewhere else. Totally makes sense. But I was buying it for a dollar. I wish I had been there. I I would have offered 50 at least. (laughs) (laughs) And now what is it? Like insurance offices or something? Lawyers in there or something? Dentist in there, I think. Real estate offices. I don't know if I'd want to go under the, under but the cool thing is though, in my if, head. if you can find the actual tree because it's it's very distinct it has like a knot or a notch in the tree oh, and that was in front of the house yeah, yeah it's the opening shot of Halloween where the camera is stalking you know the point of view shot yeah it's like if you can find that tree you can see exactly where the house is oh it's cool I gotta go yeah. find where it was I think it's it is literally like hundred yards right. from the original yeah. right. location. Wow. And then right down the street, have you done the thing where the owners of the house put the pumpkins out for you? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, oh you gotta go there. Oh, it's, wow. on, uh, it's literally a walk just shortly down the street is yeah. Lori Strode's house. So yeah, it's across the street 
from the South Pasadena Library. Yeah. Oh, I have sat on that stoop when yes. I was yeah, a little yeah. kid. Yes. Oh, okay. That was a long time ago, so I yeah. should go revisit it. Yeah, they now have uh, like plastic pumpkins. The people who own that house, bless their hearts, they've really embraced the fact that this house is a you know a monument in and horror. A, that's a big, awesome. A big plaque with photos of Jamie Lee, and it says, "Please take these pumpkins. Go sit like Jamie Lee. <laughs> Happy Halloween." I'm like, that's really cool. That man. is awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's one of my goals. If I ever become, you know, we ever become really, really successful band, I become like a Rob Zombie kind of level rock star. I want to buy all those houses. That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and across the street from that Laurie Strode house, on the side of the of the library, underneath the bench, there's a plaque for Mustafa Akkad. Oh, that's so nice. It's like in love and memory because you know, he was assassinated yeah. in Jordan. His you know? daughter too, wow. right? Yeah, it's a sad wedding. story, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was but so cool. But it's really cool. Very small plaque to commemorate the filming of Halloween in March of 78. That's so nice. And I actually, I when I was working the Halloween Horror Nights red carpet, for Dread Central, I got the opportunity to interview Malik Akkad, oh, his yeah. son. Oh, wow. And nice. just speaking to him about the franchise, he just seems like such a genuine guy who really yeah. cares about where Halloween goes. Right. He just seemed like a great guy and happy that he's in charge of the franchise now. Yeah, it's kept him in the family and yeah, kept, kept the vision alive, you know? Definitely. It's great, man. What's your ideal Halloween night? Wow. Putting me on the spot. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that if I could somehow rent Michael Myers' house and throw a party there. I mean, oh, that would be amazing. What's more Halloween than being in Michael Myers' house? Right? <laughs> and have it set up just like it was in the original and have some girl, you know, with her top off getting stabbed in the upper room and just see if Donald Pleasance will be in there. There's a haunt that we've done that's amazing called Delusion. Have you ever done Delusion? No, I don't know what Dude, it is. well... You're coming with uh, us to Delusion this year. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> Delusion, I, we've explained this to a lot of people too, because, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a hidden secret, I guess. But Delusion is basically a haunted play company that started in L.A. a few years ago. And what they do is it's it's uh, the stunt team behind movies like The Dark Knight and Iron Man. And they've assembled and they write a play each year and do it in a historic L.A. location. So when they first started, they were doing it on this strip of Harvard Boulevard in the West Adams District. This giant kind of haunted mansion looking house basically took it over, rigged it with stunt people, gave it this beautiful score when you walk in this house and you are literally in a group of like eight people, part of a movie, basically. And you have to move the story along. It's crazy. Like the first thing I had to do was I had to climb in a coffin and take a necklace off of a skeleton, like go Six feet under. Wow. Yeah, it was. And, like, and Lauren did not hesitate. That sounds intense. The funny thing is that house that they use was actually the house. I think they've used it a number of times in Rob Zombie's Halloween. Yeah, it's the Strode home. Right, in the Rob Halloween. Zombie's Halloween yeah. movies. Yes. Oh, cool. And then right across, directly across the street is the house from People Under the Stairs. Wow. And the same people, I believe, own both houses and they just rent them out for filming and different things like that. So your idea is actually possible. <laughs> and what part of town is that in? I guess. West, West Adams. Okay. Yeah, it's all these massive old historical monument homes, basically, that have been around. The people under the stairs house is built in like 1905, I think. Oh it's God. like an wow. 8,000 square foot house. A lot of the interior shots from people under the stairs were done in you know sound stages and stuff like that, but all the exterior were done at the house. And inside the people under the stairs house, they actually shot some of Rob Zombie's Halloween too. I think it was the kitchen. It's amazing, dude. The city. 
how many filming locations there are really it's it's unbelievable well, it's america's backlog right exactly as austin said <laughs> do you have um a favorite haunt that you go to like i know there's knots and universal there's also rain of terror i have a lot of um great memories from the original spooky world which was in berlin mass and this was, you know, back in early 90s, and it was the first real, you know, haunted attraction I had ever been on. And it was a full hayride. And after the hayride, you got out and Spooky World had acquired all these really cool props from films like they had the original Michael Myers mask at one point. Oh, wow. They had just just really cool stuff <laughs> and they, they always had great guests. I remember they had, you know, the first time I ever met Kane Hodder or George Wilbur who played Michael Myers in a couple of the movies and I remember Linda Blair was there and that was just like one place I remember from my childhood that was really cool. It since has moved to a different location in New England. It really isn't the same to me but that one was always great and recently one of my, my new things is when we're on tour and October, I try to find the best haunted attractions in each city. Nice. So I've been fortunate enough to go to some that were ranked in the top 10. Oh, um, wow. One that's in New Hampshire that we actually filmed our upcoming video that's going to be coming out on the week of release. We filmed it at this attraction. It's called Haunted Overload. in in Lee, New Hampshire. And it has absolutely just incredible set pieces, you know, pumpkins that are 200 feet up in the air carved in wood and skeletons. It it looks like something out of Tim Burton's mind. So that's a great one. I really like Netherworld in Atlanta, Georgia. That's one of the the best ones I've been to. And I know that, you know, a lot of stuff is filmed in Atlanta and I think they filmed Halloween too, Rob Zombie's in Atlanta. And they used a lot of props and I think actors from from that haunted attraction. I really liked Halloween Horror Nights. I love that. I loved Knots when I went last time. I think Elvira was there. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. That was really cool. Yeah, she's been doing that for a long time. She has. Mm -hmm. No more though. No, that's right. Yeah, last year was her last. Yep. Yeah, her last rain. A few nights ago, for Dread Central, I went to Six Flags and they have a haunted attraction built around the movie Hellfest, which is coming up. Oh, yeah. Friday. And it was awesome. I really liked the film. Oh, that's cool. And I got to interview Tony Todd, who's in the film, and the rest of the cast. So I really liked that haunted attraction. Oh, but nice. How about you guys? What am, I, what am I missing? I love Reign of Terror. It's really good. It's above yeah. a gold gym in... That's scary Thousand enough. Oaks. That is, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's 23,000 square fee and like a hundred rooms. Oh man. Yeah. And so it's like one experience from beginning to end. You kind of yeah. go through a bunch of different rooms. And that's in California? Yeah. yeah. Thousand Oaks. Oh, yeah. Thousand Oaks. Okay. Yeah. We, we go out to it every year. It's rated. It's like, you know, one of those things that wins awards every year. But the good thing is, since it's on top of the Gold's Gym, they own that spot. They don't have to strike it down. So they just build on it and improve and are able to rehearse on it. And the one thing they do, the best thing is crowd control. They have a really good hold on that. Like you'll be interacting with people and you won't even realize that it's a whole ploy to stop the line line. so that you're not you know you don't run into or that you don't see the scares reset that's always a problem for me and sometimes I'll stop the haunted house I'll pretend I work there hold my hand up (laughs) (laughs) three minutes here people I'm getting getting the cue so you do it right man yeah we're gonna follow you next time that is the way to do it though right because I know a couple occasions I've been through horror nights or whatever you get a front of line pass or whatever and you're able to kind of go through first and there's no one in front of you and no one behind you 
It's the fucking scariest it's thing ever. It's scary, man. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it really is. You guys have to check, if you haven't checked out Halloween Horror Nights, the, what's so cool about it this year, it's not just Halloween. Mm-hmm. It's not the new Halloween. It's Halloween 4. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. the house is, is dedicated to. So uh, to me, that's so random and so cool for real horror fans. <laughs> yeah. It is yeah. It looks like you're in Halloween 4. You know, they do the auto mechanic shop from that right. scene. And the guy that's playing Loomis looks exactly like him. It's just really cool and random and awesome. And then, also, I love Warner Brothers a lot. Does one called oh, Horror Made Here? I so just cool. heard about. That. Oh, you got to go to insane. that, man. Yeah, you it's so out. fun. We went last year, and they did like a Conjuring kind of universe. It was so amazing. It was so scary. And they did things that I hadn't seen other haunts do, like little effects. And I mean, I guess it's a movie lot, so it kind of makes sense. It was really fun. And just the atmosphere. And then you get to see all these like horror props, which is like my dream. What was really cool is that you're in the place where a lot of these horror films were shot. So they literally let you off in the back lot. They take a tram to the back lot. They let you out. They have a whole kind of fair atmosphere there. They have the It house reconstructed. So you go in that and then, oh, here's the house from Gremlins. And then they take you on the tram ride, but they highlight things from the studio tour where horror films were shot. It's really, really cool. Like That's here's amazing. Monster Squad, where the courtyard was in Monster Squad. And you're just like, like this is really yeah. cool. Are there any other surprises Coming up with the release of this album. Like, you've got the 13 songs. Are you doing a video for each song? Is that the deal? Or If we can convince the label. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the videos are expensive, and they've been very generous to let us do the ones we have. But in a perfect world, that would be my... That'd right. be my dream. You've got at least one more on the horizon, you've said. Right, one, another one we got coming out very soon, and will sort of coincide with the release of the album or yeah. shortly thereafter. I'll give you a hint. It's the perfect one to release in October. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> we had a lot of fun making this one. Are Dude. you bringing these elements on tour with you, like the tour design and all that? Well, we do have support tours coming up where we're not the headlining band, but mm-hmm. that's going to be the idea behind when we can headline and bring out the full production and really give the visual element that this album cycle deserves. Right. So that's what that's what wow, the plan that's is. Exciting. Oh, that's exciting. And would you expand? I mean, because, you know, you did an amazing job of doing it on the Warp Tour stage. Thank you. Right? The whole stage looked like a theater. You're wearing the Freddy outfit. Pretty Everyone in the band is taking on a different kind of role. In your mind, I, I, I can't even imagine where you could take it for a big headlining stage <laughs> the yeah. ideas must be insane yeah I, you know i really want to make it feel like you know when we we delve into each song that's about a different movie that we take you into that world visually so i've got some ideas up my sleeve and we've, we've been working with this artist uh mike cortada and he did the stage design you're talking about and also yeah. the album layout and oh he, cool he's just really great at, at bringing these ideas I have to life. Who did the uh, he did the actual? Oh, he did the art. Yeah, on the front. he did the I art. I love of it. the art. It's amazing. Thank you. Gorgeous. Wow. What is your reference for the uh, front cover? I wanted to feel like I was back in that. VHS store back yes, when I was a little kid. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like echoes of uh, Friday Thirteen Part Three. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Stab, mm-hmm. and scream. Yep, we wanted to make it look weathered. You know, if you notice under the light, you'll see that the cover is like weathered, like yeah. an old VHS. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was just really cool uh, to experiment with that whole aesthetic and try to almost like creep show ish, yeah. you know, a little bit. That is so awesome. You know, what's funny is that almost every guest we've had in here 
and all of us in this room have such fond memories and that's of going to the video store and those those old boxes and everything it's really what started yeah. it all really yeah. you know I miss those days yeah it's i mean now what it's on netflix right and you know our kids yeah. growing up and just scrolling through i'm kind of sad you know yeah. that it's right yeah that, i mean because that box cover art was amazing yeah it was so it was like an art gallery progression isn't always great right <laughs> <laughs> luckily you got people like you bringing this back and directors like Ty West and people like that who grew up in that aesthetic and, and realize its importance mm-hmm. and that still bring that back to their projects because yeah we'd love I it I think man. video stores are going to make a comeback to some degree yeah, well, like they got real. Slashback, right? That one in Burbank. That. Yeah, yeah, it's totally kind of recreated really that cool. experience. Lineups out the door when they opened up. Yeah. So obviously, you know, people love it. And people watch VHS now. Yeah, they do. Which I think is That's weird. really cool. <laughs> 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 I would like to seriously go try and get a, get an old VHS recorder and go back I and have watch a, them. I have half a dozen. Have you done it recently? Like, well, yeah. Back and I mean, I VHS? Just, part of my job is to watch VHS tapes, That's digitize right. VHS tapes. That's right. That's so right. So I work at Archival. Oh, nice. For films. So documentaries. So yeah, so I do a lot of VHS stuff. I mean, VHS is a very specific format and a very specific look and feel to it. My fear from the archival point of view is that when you play it, it's going to ruin the tape. Oh. Which obviously wasn't a fear, you know, back in the back day. Then. Right, yeah, right, Yeah, because you right. used to get another one for 20 bucks. Now they're rare. <laughs> they're rare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'd like to put out the film on VHS. That'd be bitch. That'd be an amazing. VHS. One of those That'd big clamshell cool. boxes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> we actually, there's a version of the album we have that comes in a DVD case. Not quite the same. Oh, that's cool, that's though. Cool. I like VHS. Yeah. Now, how important is it to make this all a, like a 360 degree experience for you? To me, it's everything, you know. I and mean, if we're talking about doing an album, based on films I mean you gotta have the visual there it's just of the utmost importance to me to make it feel as you say like a, a 360 yeah I mean even experience. like you said going so far as to putting yourself in front of the houses where these movies were filmed just to capture some of that magic right absolutely as I said before it's like I'm a fan myself I'm a fan of bands and a fan of a huge fan of film and I want to do what what I would want to purchase and what I would want to be involved with yeah. this is what I'm trying to, to give to the people that, that like our band is there any new horror that's inspired you? I really did enjoy Hellfest. I'm not sure how much you guys know about that film, but it felt like a return to the golden age of the slasher genre. You know what I mean? It was brutal, and I feel like there's a lot of, at least for a while, there's a lot of like PG-13 horror. There's a lot, yeah. 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 That felt watered down, and that they were just trying to make it PG-13 and make a little bit extra money to be able to sell more tickets to yeah. you know younger people who couldn't get in. But there was something like visceral about that film that I really liked. So I would recommend that one. Anything else that I've seen, I definitely have to go back and go through some some Netflix recommendations. Have you seen Terrifier? Yes. <laughs> that fucking crazy. movie took that it far. That was brutal. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> That's your next music video right there. <laughs> <laughs> really good marketing, too. Art the like, clown. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, the, the tagline that it, I think it said it makes Pennywise look like Bozo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that one was great. Yeah. Very brutal. And I thought the look of, of that clown was fantastic. Did you like it oh yeah i yeah. thought it was great yeah. visually stunning and i thought it was was scary that first scene was, was like okay these guys aren't yeah they're fucking, fucking around, around. yeah that's yeah. what i thought yeah. too I, when i yeah. went into it was like oh i mean i grew up watching the, right. the miniseries and that scared the shit out of me and then yeah. when i saw this i was like oh yeah and then that first scene i was like oh <laughs> yeah wow. you're messing around <laughs> yeah. i can't wait till you guys hear the album because the, the song that we do about it we really channel that first opening oh, oh man excited for you guys to hear I 
got, yeah, I got chills already, man. That's, that's <laughs> See, now I want a video for every song now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, we sell, if we sell a million copies, maybe we'll do it. There you go. There, there you go. go. Yeah. I want to ask what your favorite Halloween candy is. That's that's a good one. I always like candy apples because of the idea that there might be a razor, razor blade. blade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one of the best scenes from Halloween, too. Yeah. <laughs> People forget about that. That's the right. kid shows up at the Bleeding, hospital right? with, the, with the razor stuck in his lips. <laughs> right. With the ice cube. She's holding the ice cube up. If you could have any prop from any horror movie in existence, what would be like your holy grail? Wow, that's a great one. I would say, to, I mean, to me, you know, Halloween, as I said, is the holy grail of the slasher genre. So I think having that original mask yeah. would be up there. Other than that, you know, one of the K&B scream masks because there were multiple oh, masks yeah. used in scream mm-hmm. and that first scene you see the, the k&b mask really clearly and you know that, that would be very exciting but w- one place i've gone to and if you guys are ever in portland have you heard of movie madness no it's one of the biggest vhs stores left in the world and they have absolutely incredible props and they have the original knife from psycho which wow. is pretty amazing. Yeah. That is Yeah. You know what? I bet if you wrote K and B, I wonder if they still have some of those scream masks around. Cause yeah, they use it for like the opening scene, like two scenes in the movie, yeah, I think, yeah. right? Because they were hired to do a knockoff of the fun world mask. Right. That was like right, I think right. I remember you could see it get it at a drugstore, the yeah, original yeah. scream mask before. I remember I think it even came out. I want to say I had seen it in stores before the movie had yes, even come yes. out. But then when the movie came out, it was December and I couldn't find it anywhere. And then wow. obviously the next Halloween, it was the <laughs> yeah, biggest yeah, thing of yeah, all time. But exactly. What about you guys? I mean, you've had, you have tremendous props. What, what's one that you're missing? I would say mine is the Winchester gun from Shaun of the Dead. Oh, nice. That's a good one. Yeah. You guys? I want to go with the the first knife that little Michael Myers picks up, which oh, is actually wow. producer, oh, it was producer Deborah Hill. That's right. It, in the comic suit, when she picks up the knife. So I'd go with oh, that. Wow. I would go with that Little knife. Michael that's Myers great. is Deborah Hill? Yep. Really? Wow. Yeah. I never knew that. You couldn't have an eight-year-old picking up a butcher knife. <laughs> I guess that's right. Well, that's you right. met my son. Or <laughs> <laughs> six-year-old. You know what would be cool would be the one of the chainsaws from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yes. That would be dope. Because that stuff's probably all gone. Like back then, people weren't saving stuff. That's right. right. So and they had no knows? idea it would have been what it became. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's probably still using that chainsaw. It probably just <laughs> yeah. exists in some guy's garage. Oh, That's yeah, really probably. Funny. That'd be so cool. Rachel? Mine, maybe, maybe a crucifix from Carrie's mother's house. Oh, oh wow. yeah, that's a creepy one. Yeah, that is a creepy. That'd be there. cool. <laughs> Leo, right. I'm surprised you didn't say something from The Exorcist. No. Well, that's the crucifix so from yeah. The Exorcist is even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants that one. Yeah. Well, they got one of them, one of the crucifixes from The Exorcist at Warner Brothers in the Museum of Warner Brothers. Yeah, and it's funny. I always oh, ask wow. the same question. I always ask, is that the one from that scene? And nobody ever looks at me and nobody says a word. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of the chainsaws from Texas Chainsaw 2 went to auction last, I think, this oh, really? past year, right? Yeah, it was yeah. like, what, 25000 or something wow. it ended up yeah. selling for? Yeah. Something crazy, yeah. It's crazy. Bill Mosley, who was on the show, he was talking about, he went and actually found someone who had one of his original head plates. Yeah. Oh, He had wow. to buy it off of someone. He had to buy his own head plate. Yes, yeah, yeah, I think he fair. sent someone to do it, yeah, yeah, to, to be the middleman. And right, it was like right. a cloak and dagger, he was saying, to get it back. <laughs> but I think he got a pretty good deal on it. Too. Yeah, I got it for a deal. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for being here. We are yeah. so excited about this fucking album and what has come out is just brilliant and congratulations because this is going to be a ride, man. This is going to be 
awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Dude. Cool. Great. This is the moment when the supposedly dead killer comes back to life for one last scare. was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 25. Special thanks to our guest, Spencer Charnas, singer of the band Ice Nine Kills. Follow Spencer on Instagram, at Spencer Inc. and at Ice Nine Kills. That's the number nine not spelled out. Get their new album, The Silver Scream, out on Fearless Records October 5th or right now, depending on when you're listening to this. For fans of horror and awesome music, it's a must. Remember, all month long, it's Trick or Treat with the Boo Crew. No set release schedule and surprise episodes all month long to pack in as much Halloween magic as possible. Till next time, Trev for the Boo Crew saying, see you on the other side. Gail Weather signing off. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shand, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation. It's time for this boogeyman to boogie.